Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Talk on Tech. I am Patrick Smith and this week we have another one of our interview only episodes. So today I'm joined by Assistant Professor Teresa Literal who's now over our geospatial and GIS program. Hello Teresa. Hello. And we're going to talk about our program and what it offers to our students and uh, where Teresa picked up that wonderful accent. <laughs> So, Teresa, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and, and how you got into GIS and geospatial studies. Well, it was um, kind of a roundabout situation. I started um, my undergrad in geology, and geology has its own applications. And, and way back when, in 1996, uh, started um, in Cambridge in England, um, in geology and GIS wasn't really about then so I didn't really have that exposure to it back then. Um, I continued my education, we, we usually take three years to complete our degree, um, traveled a little bit because um, of a lot of our field trips were abroad um, so I, I got the opportunity to have a bit of a, a a smorgasbord of interest in subjects that I um, experienced and uh, and then um, towards the end of my degree I had an opportunity to do um, uh, an exchange program with Marshall University mm-hmm. uh, right here in Huntington um, uh, that was really when I was exposed to GIS I never really had much to do with technology and things like that to be honest other than cutting rock samples and things like that and that was during your bachelor's or your that was my bachelor's yeah that was my bachelor's degree and i did a lot of uh volcanology and things like that so i I kind of incorporated a little bit of mapping in there um with a software called surfer but uh not really had too much exposure at that point Mm -hmm. it was when i started my international exchange um, and i came to marshall and they had a wonderful program um called geobiophysical modeling and i know that sounds a little overwhelming but what that basically is is really what gis is it incorporates absolutely everything you can think of um the topic's so vast it really is a lot of physical geology physical science um biology geology everything you can possibly think of so um some of the classes i took here uh, were remote sensing based, um, GIS based, things like that. It was very around ninety six to ninety nine was really kind of when GIS was introduced to people. So it was very very new. We didn't know uh, the capabilities of it and things like that. So when you talk about those classes, like the remote sensing stuff, mm-hmm. what explain to people that don't know what that is? For example. What was your job? What were you doing? I'm sure you were doing something with the environment. You were, what, what was the I role was sensing? actually. My um, project that I decided to do was um, Eastland Lake. Okay. Now, I'll tell you what remote sensing is. Is, is In a nutshell, mm-hmm. it's um, a reflection of um, a certain pixel value, reflecting that you have a bandwidth um, and the... You, you take imagery um, and it's it has a value okay um, and it it could be something like a, my Eastern Lake project was um, 
acid mine drainage okay. so i it's reflected a certain bandwidth to me and i could tell you know where the acid mine drainage was affecting and um you could do uh, climate change all different things like that so you could do pretty much everything another really really interesting project i had with remote sensing uh was studying the rock samples on mars too hmm. so that was a um now were you having to use satellites for that or how are you getting your readings for yeah that there were um satellite imagery oh, kind okay. of from nasa and, and different kind of resources like that um mm-hmm. a lot of open source software a lot of at the, at the time a lot of open source software and then um of course that's developed in its own little uh, story too so mm-hmm. um but yeah really really interesting um I delved a little bit into astronomy and things like that. And it's kind of linked, you know, with all the satellites and everything. Um, and uh, basically kind of got an interest in it then. Uh, went back home, finished off my uh, geology degree and uh, found myself in Australia as a geologist. Oh, so I was out there um, as a geologist. I remained in contact with the professors here at Marshall. Um, I made very good friends with them while I was here. Um, we emailed back and forth about what I was doing and things like that. And then uh, one of the professors um, emailed me one day and said, would I like to come over on a scholarship to do my master's in this geobiophysical modeling program? Okay. And, of course, I'm not going to say no and turn an opportunity like that down for mm-hmm. a free education. So... Uh, that's my story how I got here mm-hmm. and then it really kind of developed from there GIS um, was such a new thing at Marshall too we were experimenting with a lot of things and um, looking at uh, different satellite imagery and things like that and uh, really just kind of developed from there and and that's actually the same as really the GIS field as a whole is right. really really developed a lot since then and the uses of it and things like that so so I'm I'm curious. Um, I've heard of geologists, and I I know that in general, geologists love rocks. Yes. But that's that's <laughs> as that's as elementary as I go. So for a geology degree, for example, what are the type of jobs you could be getting? Um, in the, in that area like what were you doing in australia for example i was actually doing um geobiophysical um modeling kind of in itself really i was doing sub audio geomagnetic surveying okay and um at the time since the um i don't know there wasn't much software developed a lot of these independent companies developed their own software so we actually used a, a software called firefox and we were um not to be confused with the browser of course okay okay <laughs> um and we were mapping ore deposits um so potential kind of mining areas and things like that okay and we were literally out in the bush in mm-hmm. the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. um doing uh, uh geology mapping and doing all so, deposit mapping. So you weren't like like I've I've been told that uh, 99% of the people in Australia live along the coast and then there's just this do, wide actually. open in the middle. Yeah. You were in the middle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Yes. Yeah. I see. Okay. With big kangaroos and big spiders. Not oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, mo- most things that in one bite you're dead and yep. there's no hospital around. <laughs> yeah, so there there should have hopefully been some hazard pay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So, so once you came here and you ended up um, getting your education based off of the, the scholarship you got for the master's, what did you do at that point once you had your GIS degree? Well, um, it 
really every everybody in this state seems to know everybody else there's always a link mm -hmm. somewhere it seems um so w i was in the department my actually current husband now um was working in the department and um richard begley actually sorry dr richard begley mm -hmm. uh, an engineer at marshall um started up the ray hall transportation institute i was in i think my first year i believe um of my uh, master's degree when that was started up and um sean literal my husband was teaching gis over at marshall okay so that's kind of where that linked into um, a possible job opportunity mm -hmm. so um i started out as a student um ended up being full-time employee um changed job descriptions a couple of times and it's uh it's been a, a wonderful evolving um opportunity and experience okay you say since when you first came over uh for a while with your bachelor's degree to now that gis has has evolved it's gotten much much bigger um how about you talk about some of the the areas as to what gis means to us now what what potential people who might be saying, I've never heard of GIS, I've never mm -hmm. heard of geospatial studies, what is this, and why should I know about it, and what can I get a job doing with it? Sure. Okay, well, basically, in a nutshell, what mm -hmm. GIS is, it's something that integrates uh, hardware and software, captures data, um, manages that data, analyzes, and it, and it displays that, that data um, in some kind of geographical form. Okay. So, basically, everybody uses GIS in some form or another without even realizing it's actually GIS. Okay. Um, it's data really in a nutshell is mm -hmm. any form of data that has some kind of geographical context now how that has evolved from then until now um is basically realization and awareness is what it is is um you know a lot of people don't understand the uh, capabilities of it until somebody maybe demonstrates it to them or something like that mm -hmm. so we use google earth we'll watch the weather forecast on tv um even with this uh latest plane uh, disappearance and things mm -hmm. like that we're seeing a lot of gis we're seeing a lot of uh, reference to satellite images and things like that that's all gis and it's really just evolved over the years become more aware of the capabilities um, and then everybody from um, the uh, local government to state government to private entities are um, are using gis um, i'd say at places like um the defense and intelligence mm -hmm. folks i mean very mm -hmm. very much so linked to the plane that disappeared recently sure. and public works um in the beginning it was very much uh, urban planning and and things like that it was the real use for it in the very beginning like where we're going to lay our streets yes. and our sewage lines and our water lines and yeah. all that type of thing and a lot of the imagery really helps people do that you know that you can you can um, analyze uh, do spatial statistics and, and analyze you know what would be the least path of resistance and different mm -hmm. things like that so um, urban planners and architects and police play, uh, people like that um, now more like um, engineers uh, of course planning still economic development transportation is very very heavy on GIS road networks and things like that emergency response um, and public safety agriculture flood management conservation parks and recs things like that so would you say like um 
if they're if they think that there's constantly traffic congestion, there's there's all these wrecks on a certain road, they would they would turn to someone like at the, the DOT to do some mm-hmm. sort of GIS study yep. to see how often the people are traveling on this road when it's heavily concentrated where would be a better place to put yep rerouting and things like that um could be even fleet management it could be um ups or somebody like that it could be um you know that they go down a a constantly congested you know area and uh you know might use a gis tool or a gis model to um try and recreate uh their routing options um Yeah, so like from a transportation standpoint, mm. if they if like FedEx said, you know, it takes us a day to get from Atlanta to Washington, is there another form of transportation besides tractor trailer that can get us there faster? That type of thing, yeah, more like an intelligent yeah, system. That's all about analyzing the data that you have, and it's all about um, making cost saving decisions and making things. Um, uh, least um, expensive, less expensive, and um, it's very kind of um, based on things like Im- improving your decision making and things like that. Um, better record keeping as well. You you can have all of your data in a digital format, <coughs> so it's easier to share, um, especially across either uh, either open source software or a software maybe that you both have and mm-hmm. now everything's mobile as well so it's right. a lot easier to share um and it's really kind of a management tool as well it's a management that the ups guys can manage their fleet and say okay this isn't working for us we need to be a little bit more efficient so we're going to spend the money and invest in either a- another form of transportation another mode of transportation or alternative routes or things like that so now network these days, analysis and these so. days for them to track that am i correct in that i've heard a lot of FedEx trucks and UPS trucks, they'll put GPSs on them yes. so they can see how much they're moving, how far they're moving. Mm-hmm. And then that can be statistics they use to say, this route, all these trucks are taking, That's exactly super, super That's slow. That's exactly what it is. And that actually, we think this is a new technology, and it's mm-hmm. not. They've been putting GPS um, units on trucks for as long as I can remember. Oh. Although GIS is, um, I guess, relatively new. I mean, your 70s to 80s is a, a new thing. You know, nobody really understood the capabilities. And then it, in the 80s and 90s, more and more people were using it. And now it's basically everybody using it. But still, they really don't know the capabilities of, of what it is unless you're somebody like the Aviation Authority or somebody mm-hmm. like that. See, um, back in, I remember back in the 80s, my um, father was a truck driver and they had GPS units on the trucks over there um, and they recorded when the drivers stopped because they didn't have the technology inside the cab back then. So they would um, record when the drivers stopped and when they continued on the journey and, um, you know, where the load is and give them an estimated time of arrival and things like that. And, of course, back then it was very paper-driven and, you know, it wasn't all digital. Everything Mm -hmm. now is digital and it's much easier to manage. Well, I was thinking even when you mentioned earlier, and, and I'll ask you if this is also applicable, but you mentioned making models. And uh, what my mind immediately flashed back to was um, when I was fin- finishing my undergrad, I took a climatology class 
to Dr. Kevin Law over at Marshall, Mm -hmm. and he does meteorology and climatology, and so he talked about constantly having to feed in all this data to create models, such as, oh no, um, Hurricane Katrina is coming. They want to figure out where that's going to land, where it's going to happen. Yeah. They have to use all Disaster this. Response. They have to use yeah. all this data to figure out where it's going to go to to create these models, or or even when you watch the five day forecast, they're having to generate these models to figure out where that's going. Yeah, is that also? That's exactly it, and that is basically GIS based on historic data. Okay. You know, that's all it is. It's analysis of data based on what information you have. Mm-hmm. And that is really what GIS is. You can't do anything with, um, you know, it, you create data all the time. You can create the roads. You can do linear referencing, different things like that. But really, some of this weather forecast, um, certainly some of the um, projects that the government have got going with climate control and stuff like that disaster response and things like that is really all based on historic data mm-hmm. so and and that's exactly um right is they compare you know what previous hurricanes might have done um uh look at weather patterns and see what a potential you know hurricane might do and then create an evacuation plan and and different things like that emergency response plan i mean and you'd always think oh maybe it's all the science side but i even heard one time i read an article where walmart when they would go in and try to figure out where they were going to locate their new business Mm -hmm. they would contract with these marketing companies who had census data who could then tell them where the demo they wanted to be close to was maybe maybe it's like a tv show and they wanted to like the 18 to 25 demo yeah they could they could lay that census data over top of a map show walmart there's a high concentration of these people here i think you should put your next store here because they're all there so even from a marketing standpoint it seems like you could do it not necessarily just the more the sciences but that's more that's com- uh, totally what they do with the gis is mm-hmm. is they do it's economic development mm-hmm. um and that's actually it's interesting you mentioned that i um talk about uh, a walmart project actually with my students and doing oh, okay. uh, spatial analysis is basically looking at all that census information and seeing where the um, road network connections are and it, can i get my truck into uh, deliver the goods that I need. Mm-hmm. Can I get um, people there safely um, to do their shopping and things like that? And that's all information that I would look at developing a GIS for economic development for somewhere mm-hmm. like Walmart and things like that. Um, Barack Obama actually used uh, information like that in his um, uh, political campaign. As oh well. really? Yep, and based it on um, like his demographics. Stops, his yeah. stops were based on where he wanted to. Yeah, and uh, and um, voting and different things like that. So that was all GIS. That was all very GIS hmm. based uh, based on all the census information. Very interesting. So, yeah. yeah. So so based on based on your education and what what GIS is doing, um, you said you ended up getting a job at the Ray Hall Institute. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about some of the the things that you had done and and maybe when you talk about them, take us through the um, one. Say, take us through things you had to think about. Like, I know one of them you're going to talk about, which is a trail thing. But, but to some people, you may be like, okay, when you when you do that, you just uh, you dig a path. But like all the environmental concerns, mm-hmm. all the different data you had to analyze to make sure things fit. Yeah. Like you said with the economic development. Yeah. Well, they are um, 
the Rahal Transportation Institute is an institute based uh, through a university and it's based on research. Mm-hmm. So being transportation, it had more or less a transportation feel, but they did a lot of economic or do a lot of economic development projects as well. Um, so in the very beginning, I would work on things um, for the Department of Transportation, um, doing uh, linear referencing, taking everything they had in paper form and digitizing it and making it into a GIS for them um, so they can manage their fleet and they can manage their assets and they can send uh, people out and to repair roads. And it was a lot more cost effective for them once they had this GIS. So that was one of the projects that I worked on. Um, some of the other projects uh, that I've worked on has been trail-based. And that, to me, um, trails are really just another form of transportation. It's a different mode of transportation. Mm-hmm. Walking they, or biking. Exactly. So, it, it, you know, you have to get from point A to point B, even if you don't have a vehicle, a motorized vehicle. Um, so we did, um, looked at some bike trails and maybe put in bike trails here, there and everywhere and pedestrian trails um, uh, and then I, I've worked a lot with the Hatford and McCoy folks um, down in the southern part of the state. Um, and they do a lot of their trails, of course, are OHV, uh, ATV, mm-hmm. um, OHV uh, um, dirt bikes and things like that. Right. And they um, are very strategic of where they put put their trails too mm-hmm. um they're all based on private property of course so you know that is something that they have to consider but something else that they consider is economic development so um i did a project with them recently um on converting an old csx abandoned trestle um, and converted that into an atv trail that's and basically like for the for for non-railroad people that's a, a railroad bridge, right? That is a railroad bridge, yeah. That okay. is a railroad bridge, but basically they put um, a decking over the top of the railroad tracks. So at any time it can be converted back if they need it back. I mean, just pull the boards <clears throat> excuse up. Me, yeah, and they just pull the boards up. Um, but the benefit to that is, um, and this is some of the things that you have to bear in mind when you apply for funding and things like that, is... You know, why would they want it? You have to have some kind of reasoning behind it. Um, so they knew that the they had complaints from neighbours where the um, ATVs would get off the trail and go to the Hatford McCoy headquarters. There was may have been environmental issues and things like that. So that's something that, you know, we'd have to, some of the GIS component of it would be, you know, to look at the watershed and, and look at the steepness of uh, a bank getting up and down and things like that. Um What's, and really, what's the watershed? I, I'm not. I'm not from the watershed. Just um, like where the water line would come up, it's very. Um, I guess it is controlled, like uh, the Ohio um, would be um, managed, or the banks would be managed for the Army Corps of Engineers. And when you have those kind of people involved, it just adds a little swing to things and you know you have to go through a few more steps than you know a private creek or something like that you know okay. so but i mean are we, are we talking like you have to worry if when you cut this trail through their property if it's going to cause flooding is that what we're talking about you yes you do and with trails it's really easy because you you just make um particularly for atvs and dirt bikes the rougher the better so for something like that it's not too much of a problem but if it's pedestrian and has to be um ada compliant um disabled uh, compliant mm-hmm. 
then um, you've got to consider the grade. Um, it has to be five degree at five percent slope and things like that. So there's different things that you have to consider depending on what type of trail it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is something that you have to bear in mind if you're in that. Um, area where it gets flooded then you've got to consider the surface type you've got to consider what are you going to use are you going to use gravel are you going to use cement or is it going to be easy enough to maintain you don't want to spend a fortune getting into a project like that and then all of a sudden have to turn around the following year because the floods wiped everything out you've got to do that entire expense again it's not conducive to being a return on their investment whoever Mm -hmm. is paying for a project like that sure so so like when you were i mean along those same type of lines when you were doing just the regular trails before you did the uh uh the trestle were there were they looking at in private property concerns were they looking at the flooding concerns i guess what were some of the things you were having to look at in the the statistics the the rainfall that type of thing to say this trail is going to actually take a right and it's going to bypass about two and a half acres of something mm-hmm. because of this reason yeah you know and, and that's so easy to do with gis it's mm-hmm. really easy to reroute something um with the a project here in huntington that i've worked on for many years the paul ambrose trail for health that's a lot of those issues come up with that project um it could be um maybe a person that has some kind of property that you need to pass through mm-hmm. doesn't want to cooperate and you need okay. to go around it um that's easily done with gis um you might want to come across an area that floods like a little bit more than usual and you just have to reroute the um path around it mm-hmm. or it might be an area where there's just absolutely no getting around it and you have to build a bridge okay. you know this so there's so many different things to think about um and it is very very much based on um property owners mm-hmm. um whether it's private public whether it's um owned by the dot maybe it could right. be a right of way or something um things like that so there's a lot of things that go into decision making mm-hmm. but it's all based on the data that you gather so it it's definitely um would incorporate you know a number of entities mm-hmm. so well i know uh, based on your experience you've talked about several programs you'd used i think it's the one you used called surf or surfer surfer and then you use one called firefox um we don't we don't need to go over the whole curriculum today but talk about based on your experience what are the the key things you're focusing on for your students to make sure they're ready for making the trail like you said Mm -hmm. or um uh, or doing a, a dot type thing what what are those areas like the remote sensing are you are you having them do well, I like to, um, I kind of like to experiment with the students mm-hmm. a little bit. And I like to give them a little bit of textbook work mm-hmm. and then a lot of project experience. Okay. So what we've got our students doing right now is all that information I was talking about with the roads, the rivers, the streams, the census data, um, economic data, um, property owners, different things like that, tax parcels. Um, and I, 
I, I get them to uh, download all that information and gather all that information and I show them how to research that. I show okay. them, you know, where would they go to obtain such information. Um, and then we go through the procedure of, like, putting it into the GIS that we have and, and creating databases and um, what do they want to do with this data once they've got it. Um, so then uh, we create our geo databases um and then we really get out in the public and see what's going on and see if we can inject ourselves there somewhere so right now we are actually um project managers over the long-term comprehensive plan for cabell county um it's a 14-month project um and it will be a, a legal document at the end of the day um and our students are getting real world experience on a project like that um, we've had students um, work with city planners. We've had um, experience with um, sewage treatment and utility companies and things like that. So I'm very, very much focused on getting them into the workforce okay. and getting the real-world applications so they can really kind of put what they're learning from the textbook into practice um, and, and see the benefits of everything they're learning in the classroom. So if you were working with like a city planner, would that be more like um, working with a surveyor or or what what would you be trying to strategize, I guess is what I'm saying, for the utilities? Obviously, you're wanting to leverage the GIS information to, I'm assuming, save money somewhere. But yeah. I'm curious, what are those areas in like a city planning? It's really about... Um managing their data so getting their data from paper form into digital form is the first step mm -hmm. um, we had a student out uh, using a GPS unit a tremble unit collecting data to be able to put into a GIS to be able to say okay um, when you have attribute information associated with your data in a GIS um, it gives you all the information about a particular um, asset it could be um, uh, sewer system or it could be the information about what year it was put in it mm -hmm. could have been you know it might um, if it was useful information it would have who was involved and you know who was manager over it and things like that so if the utility company would obtain maybe a, a grant or something to update their system mm -hmm. then it would be easy for them to analyze what assets they've got uh, based on just looking at a computer screen rather than spending days and days in the field figuring out what do they actually own you know they don't have to select a, a bunch of files from a filing cabinet yeah so i guess if i can try to summarize and bring this back if i'm right you're saying instead of just having a flat map that will show the sewage system of huntington for example they scan that in they have the flat map they can then go back and look at documents and see, oh, this line was actually put in on 4th Avenue in 2010. They can go to that line on that map. They can add that data. Yep. So now it's become more of an interactive map exactly, that, can, yeah. that, can, that can say to them later on, we have money to replace some lines. When you look at the list, all you're going to see a normal map is you're going to see, well, we got lines everywhere. We got lines everywhere. Yeah. You, you don't have any place to write in the column. Oh, this was in '95. Exactly. This was, but with the GIS, with the GIS, you could search it too. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can. It's very. Um, very user-friendly it's very interactive it's mm -hmm. three-dimensional um 
you know you you, uh, you could search you know give me the the output for all the lines that are older than 20 years or mm-hmm. something like that and it would return all the the data okay. that uh, you have for lines older than 20 years old so that is where you can strategically use your funding okay yeah i know when um when it was first explained to me and i had I had another uh, I had a geography class to Dr. Leonard over there mm-hmm. at Marshall. He had a GIS thing we did at the very end where we used um, ArcGIS. Mm-hmm. And so we had a map, I believe, of India, and there were all these different layers. So if, if the audience is familiar with like Photoshop, for example, where you can put layers of pictures on top of things, or, or even for people that aren't computer people, I always relate back to the old World Book Encyclopedias. Mm-hmm. There was always, if you went to the human anatomy section, they had a, a transparency of your bones, yeah, and then you could put the acetate on top of it that had the muscles laying on top of it, and yeah. then the skin and all that. It's like you have those those layers of that onion skin sandwiched together that could show rainfall, that could show population. That's exactly what a GIS is. And so, yeah, yeah so basically even going back to that whole sewage uh, thing, you could just see the map or you could turn on the, the, the layer that would show the uh, years, mm-hmm. you know, how old it is. Yeah. Or you could turn on the layer talking about when it was put in or what type of material it was put into, that type of thing. Yeah. Depth. Yeah, that's exactly so, it. And it, it becomes so powerful. It's such mm-hmm. a powerful tool for decision making. Well, because it's a very, very intelligent map that yes. you've got there now yeah. that you can that you can use to make better decisions based on the limit of money you have. Yeah. And as technology advances too, it could be um, a situation where you might be able to digitize it and put into a software that maybe you have now. Mm -hmm. And 10, 20 years down the line, there may be some great new GIS software developed that makes it a lot more accurate, perhaps, Mm -hmm. or um, gives you an additional tool to maybe... um, add some real world data to it okay. or something like that too so they're, they're the challenges for us GIS professionals as we go along um, is all this new software comes out and people change their minds whether they want to invest a lot of money in this software so there's open source software um, opportunities and now everything's on the web so there's very mobile um, applications um, mm-hmm. and people are using this out in the field and, and uh, a lot more people are using it sometimes without even realizing that they're using it even, even tagging a photograph on vacation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's GIS. It puts okay. it on your little Facebook map and right. pops it right up there when you need it to. It's because you're giving it a coordinate. You're giving it an, an address. Mm-hmm. You know, you're telling that satellite where you are at the time. Which, I, th- I, I don't know if Josh and I actually did an article on it one time, but uh, it would be useful to mention that I saw um, on Dateline one night where they talked about that on the flip side of that, that's great technology, but on the flip side, uh, child predators yeah, yeah, were going yeah. on to Facebook and they were seeing pictures that people were posting their kids. Mm-hmm. And I, the parents, I guess, didn't realize, oh, my phone has GPS. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I took a picture in my house of my kid in their bedroom and somebody can download that picture, yeah. pull up the, the, the GPS information, yeah. and they know where I live. So, yeah, exactly. so FYI out there for a quick little tech article there for you. If you don't want that, you can turn that location yeah, yeah, services yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, but, um, I would highly recommend that if you uh, are getting yourself into trouble as well. Mm-hmm. There was, um, I think it was recent, uh, actually, that Google Earth had um, an image that there was a guy dumping a body 
in a lake oh, wow. and, <laughs> and it was really obvious too on the satellite imagery it was completely obvious that he was dumping this body it was out in arizona i think mm-hmm. uh, dumping this body in a lake and then the fbi shows up at his door <laughs> wow so it's a very very powerful tool mm-hmm. but you have to be careful because you know they're watching us <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's 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 powerful for good, and it can be powerful for for, uh, bad for evil. Too, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I've got um, I got one more question. I mean, it's actually a two part question. But you said you came from the geology side, mm-hmm. so I would be curious to know if someone's listened to this and they're already from the natural science side of things. What would you say to them that they have to have a learning curve wise to get into GIS? And then the flip of that would be, let's say people that are listening to this are straight up IT people, they're straight up computer people. What are they going to have to add on or supplement themselves with to be able to really be able to speak the language of the techie, but -hmm. also talk to the potential clients they have to work for to speak their language? That's the beauty of GIS, is it really applies to all of the above. So the learning curve really is non-existent. We do, um, right now we're focusing on GIS for non-majors. So basically that is um, catering to people like maybe forensic science or um, the medical field or anything like that that has data that could be useful in some kind of GIS form. So, um, you know, I'm sure that uh, Johnny, who works for UPS, doesn't realise that you know he he has to. Um, when you get a UPS track, if you send a, a parcel for UPS, you can request that there's a deliverance uh, um, notification email mm, or something tracking, like that. Yeah, yeah tracking email, um, and he probably doesn't realise what's all involved in that, but that's okay too. That's okay. He doesn't need to know. So it's as in depth of, of you want, as you want it to mm-hmm. or as um, irrelevant to what you think uh, you might want and then it's nice to give it a little bit of a twist to say hey look this is what we can do um, with the information that you've got and, and put it into a GIS for a, p- a particular purpose right so from the IT standpoint um, these this is where if you have some kind of programming background um very it savvy people they're the ones that become extremely marketable if they have a cross reference from it to gis which you know gis is it um but it doesn't need to freak anybody out that isn't it driven um the the beauty of it is um you know, you can dive into all kinds of uh, networking, um, things like that, or, or you might want to get into program heavy programming. In my experience, um, I've learned that if you have any kind of GIS background with programming background, you're the man. You, you are the one that everybody wants to employ. Um, they're very... Uh, companies like maybe the dot or something like that would employ somebody gis and somebody it 
and there's it's very rare that you get both so I'm fortunate to have a couple of students that are cross-referencing everything they do um, and I believe that they are ready for the workforce when it comes down to them graduating and they become much much more marketable afterwards I guess that's what that's what I was wondering I, th- I thought <clears throat> like I'm an I'm an IT guy basically through and through so I can make you a database yeah um, but I don't know necessarily what the water table is. I don't know this. So that's why I was wondering, like, if I wanted to to kind of try to straddle the line from either side, like, I would would imagine that you would tell people that were straight-up geology people, if you can learn what a database is, how to make it, if you have some sort of idea, if you can learn a system, usually you can move that over. Yeah. But then... I I only know that because I know the IT side. So when someone tells me there's a database involved, uh, there's a website involved, I already have some ideas. But I could create that, but I need somebody, I need an expert mm-hmm. to tell me the data I need to put into here, like I, what samples are. So So what possibly could an IT person look at wanting to take classes in to learn that terminology? So when they go and they talk to geologists... They don't have to be like, well, I can create a database, but you got to tell me what to put in there. Yeah. They can try to speak their language. They can they can use words like water table, and they'll know what it means, or watershed, or those type of things, so that they have a little bit of information, so they can communicate on those people's level, and more can get done, hopefully. I think the most um, effective way to communicate between the two disciplines is a map. If you can, every geologist can make a map. Every uh, geologist takes soil samples and they just have to have a simple GPS unit to say, okay, this soil sample came out of this GPS unit, uh, sorry, of of this GPS point. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they go back to the office and work with the IT folks to kind of create a map digitally uh, when, like, once upon a time it was all done by hand. You know, I might do um, a cross-section of a, a... quarry or something um um i might look at uh, a coal seam or something like that it's everything is being put into a digital map Mm -hmm. and i think that would be the happy medium to um get all these disciplines cross cross referencing uh, all the information and and, um all that uh, knowledge that they have um, I've got uh, a couple of people over at Marshall right now uh, interning on this Cavill uh, comprehensive plan. Mm-hmm. Um, they know nothing about IT. They don't even know how to navigate the start menu and on a computer, period. But they are... Um, I've got one doing a survey based on... Um, uh, questionnaire that they put together and I gave them I provided them maps uh, with zip codes so they were very strategic on how they separated their group into uh, zip codes and they went out and interviewed um, people in uh, the community Um, so they'll bring that data back and then I will show them how to put it into some kind of representation that they can look at it and say yeah I understand this I understand you know what kind of data we've we've gathered and and things like that I've got another student um, in environmental and uh, she's very interested in permits and interested in who owns what wetland Um, she might uh, look at um, landfills and things like that so I'm trying to teach her right now on how to do that um, represent that in on a map Mm -hmm. Um, and 
just that skill if if they can gain that skill of just like thinking about cartography and creating something digitally then that's the start that's the starting point Mm -hmm. as soon as they get to that point then then we can tell them what a geo database is and and different things like this and what attributes we need to add to a particular map and Mm -hmm. or a shape file and things like this you know at that point um, if they've had no IT background, it's really not that difficult to get them over into IT. Mm-hmm. Well, I, one thing that I thought about when you mentioned going out with like a GPS and taking soil samples. In one of my grad classes, we were doing a, we had a textbook on innovation. And they, they mentioned something in there that I would never be privy to because this is not my sport at all. But some company, you mentioned GPS, some company had created these gps units that you took on their golf course Mm -hmm. and so when you would go golfing you would put in your user number and you would click the button when you were at the tee and you would do your swing and then you would walk to where your ball was and you'd click it again and you'd click it again all the way through and so when they would go back to the pro shop they could see the trajectory of where they hit their ball Mm -hmm. how far they hit their ball they could compare it to the last time and i mean i'm sure like even even other athletes hitting baseballs or whatever all that statistical data could be brought in easily with the gps and you know i don't think it's stereotypical to say that like like middle-aged uh the older aged white men are out there (laughs) golfing if they can take those units and do it yeah a lot of people should be able to pick it up it's really really simple yeah and it's funny a lot of people have those units anymore you Mm -hmm. know and even and they've become so affordable because Mm -hmm more and more people are using them yeah um and even down to the gps units in your car mm-hmm. you know we were talking earlier on about alternative routes mm-hmm. uh the gps does that for you because somebody has sat at the tom tom office or the garmin office and put all this information into a geodatabase and has provided all that information to you to say okay you're going from here to the beach or whatever i'm going to give you what do you want the shortest route or do you want the quickest route Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's based on traffic count and things Mm -hmm. like that or uh, the golf course it could be they're trying to improve their swing or it could be uh, the manager of the golf course has decided you know there is a a, um, some kind of um, problem with the way that a particular hole is designed uh, that you know the what do they call it fairway mm-hmm. uh, maybe a particular fairway is designed and there could be like maybe a common complaint or something like that so that's all statistics and data that can be analyzed mm-hmm. uh, either by the person that <clears throat> the professional or uh, the owner and it could be like a redevelopment issue or there's so many different things that you can use the data for mm-hmm. and and that's the key is you know everybody's using these gps units now geocaching seems to be taken off um mm-hmm. all around the world everybody seems to be doing geocaching and that's as simple as as pointing an arrow towards where you want to go right you know and that's all gis that's all um an online community uh that are doing the a like sport is the sport yeah so you know you get out and you exercise and and you I, I have, can, have fun i can remember in um i believe about 2006 or 2007 i had a friend that worked at walmart and that was the first time i ever heard the term geocaching yeah and he goes it's it's an online community where basically um 
someone hides something and the treasure map is basically you having the coordinates of where it's at and you use a gps locator and you go there and you dig it up and you find it and typically you can take whatever's there you can add something but it's the idea that these people have made like all these digital uh treasure maps and they're they're up online and you can go explore them and find things and yeah and then and some of them get very very creative too um you might go to a particular geocache and find a clue to the next geocache so it could be a coordinate point so if you get it wrong and don't find it then you there's no luck looking for the next Mm -hmm. one you won't get to it so some of them get really really creative feels like Uh, the amazing race a little bit definitely definitely um but they really get into it too and it's like all age ranges too it's like the middle-aged white man to like the six-year-old kid that's getting excited to find the next uh, piece of treasure yeah yeah well great thank you so much for talking to us today Teresa. oh you're welcome it's been great and that's going to do it for this week's edition of talk on tech i hope you all had a lot of takeaways from this interview and have a great week